0: Assalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 54 from Delving Into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and an honor and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam, that I'm able to share with you my knowledge uh, of Islam, and that I'm able to add even a little bit to your knowledge, and that I'm able to, you know, take in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at del. Delving into Islam at gmail.com. Again, delving into Islam at gmail.com. And I promise I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is con- a continuation of, uh, again, we're still in the biography of the Prophet ﷺ We're still learning a lot of interesting stuff About Prophet Muhammad ﷺ We're still, uh, you know uh, uh, Trying to experience What happened back in those days Those, you know, blessed days uh, uh, of, of, you know uh, Of the beginning of Islam And of the preaching of Islam To the whole world um, So yeah, uh, uh, what happened is That we mentioned last time That, you know, uh, the, the year of sorrow Which uh, was a very different difficult year for the Prophet ﷺ where his uncle passed away and then within 40 days his his beloved wife Khadija, uh, may Allah be pleased with her, passed away as well and it was a very difficult time for the Prophet ﷺ but th- it didn't end there. So uh, today we will talk about an incident that it's very famous that actually the Prophet ﷺ was asked by his wife uh, Aisha that she asked him what was the worst day of your life? Like do you have any Uh, A day that was worse than the day of Uhud Uhud was a battle that took place Where the Muslims lost the battle For good reasons, uh, of course Because, you know, they got overconfident And Allah wanted to teach them some sort of a lesson And that was known That was, you know, historically known That it was a very difficult day for the Muslims And Aisha Asked him, his wife Was there any worse day Than that day uh, for you O Prophet of Allah And the Prophet said, yes there was it was the day of Taif. The day of Taif is today's. Uh, w- w- what we will talk about today and w- w- what happened to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We will talk about it as well afterwards, and how Allah subhanahu wa taala rewarded him for all you know the the, the sadness and the grief and the test that he has been taking for that whole year. And uh, so, the day, What is Taif? Taif is a city. Outside, it's 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 the largest, closest city to Mecca. It's a close city to Mecca, and it's a large. And there's some sort of rivalry between you know Mecca and Taif, right? And uh, uh, you have uh, the, the 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 Mecca has the tribe of Quraysh, right? We said that the the biggest tribe in Mecca is the tribe of Quraysh, and you have the biggest tribe of in in Taif is the tribe of Thaqif. Right? That's the, again, it, it could be uh, irrelevant to you guys to know the names, but I think it's, you know, important to mention uh, nevertheless. And uh, the Prophet, uh, again, he mentioned that that day when he went, so we said that the, the uncle of the Prophet passed away, right? Abu Talib passed away. Now, the Prophet lost his protection. You have to understand, the Prophet lost his protection. And then his uncle Abu Lahab Who is mentioned in the Quran in a very negative way Offered the protection out of Not because he loved the Prophet ﷺ or he believed in him But out of tribalism You know, he's my nephew, I have to help him But then Abu Jahl and other people came and told him Hey, he's talking that you're all going to go to hellfire If you don't believe in in his Lord Are you really going to accept that? And because of that, even Abu Lahab was like Okay, you know what, you do with him as you please So the Prophet ﷺ basically felt like, okay, now he has to continue looking for, you know, people who will accept him so he can seek protection. Uh, And we know that protection comes from Allah, but that shows us that he is the Prophet of Allah, right? Allah is vowed to protect him, yet he has to seek the means. This is very important my dear brothers and sisters. Not just because you know Allah will help you if you make dua to him, because Allah won't help you automatically, right? You have to make dua to Allah and you have to ask Allah for help, but that doesn't mean you just sit there and wait for Allah's help to come. You have to do your part. You have to do your best. That's what Islam preaches. You have to do everything you can and leave the result to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's exactly what the Prophet Wasallam did. And that's why we say we learn from him. Even the Prophet of Allah is seeking the means he's doing his best he's looking for protection he's looking to preach here and there you know he didn't say oh allah will protect me no problem no he did not do that he didn't think like that right he was actively working to you know find protection so he can continue the message of islam and preaching the message of islam so he went to this uh, this this uh, uh, city city uh, uh, of ta'if uh, and he took with him zaid ibn haritha one of the uh, uh, the companions the famous companions he took him and they walked actually they, they, they walked for like two days to get to the city of ta'if right uh, when when they got there they met with the leaders there were like three brothers uh, who were the leaders known to be the leaders of uh, of Taif? So he met with them and he uh, introduced himself, and then he told them about the religion of Islam and he told them, you know, that they have to believe in Allah subhanahu wa taala and follow the Prophet. And unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, they uh, uh, mocked him. They responded with great disrespect, verbal disrespect, and they just ba- simply made fun of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said, "You know what." Okay, no problem, and he left them be, but he didn't leave the city. He said, "Okay, if the elite of if the leaders of the city won't hear me out, maybe the public will." So the Prophet Sallam went to the markets in Taif and he started preaching Islam. And he kept preaching Islam, some most people were mocking him, but then some people started listening. And some people heard that the message, you know, when they heard the message of Islam, it made sense to them. Again, like we said before, it just made sense. And when this happened, when certain people, very few amount of people, one or two, or maybe maybe three, at max, when people started stopping and listening every day, and it was very interesting, what happened was the leaders were informed. Some people got worried, you know, some people who were rejecting Islam, who, who were mocking the Prophet in the street of Taif went to the leaders and told them exactly what happened. And they they said, hey, be careful. People started listening to that person, to that guy. What are we going to do about it? You know? So basically what they did, the, the leaders, the three brothers, they sent some thugs. You know, people, you know, you pay them to do, you know, dirty work. So they sent literally thugs from... the the city, and they told them to stone the Prophet out of the city. They just keep stoning him, you know, hurt him physically until he leaves the city. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. They started, you know, stoning the Prophet They started actually encouraging other people to stone the Prophet and he started bleeding from everywhere. Him and Zaid, Zayd, you know, the companion that he was, that who, uh, who was with him, he also was stoned uh, and he started bleeding as well. The Prophet got stoned the most because, of course, he's the one preaching to people and telling them about Islam. And you know, it was reported. Zayd said that the Prophet was covered in blood from head to toe, literally from head to toe. You know, like blood was dripping out of the body of the Prophet ﷺ because of how severely they were, you know, throwing stones at him and it was just hitting him, right? And this is a very very sad and heartbreaking situation and that's why the Prophet ﷺ was traumatized by that day, especially because it was mental trauma and a physical one at the same time. The Prophet ﷺ was mentally traumatized because of people mocking him, making fun of, you know, the religion of Islam. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, rejecting him on that level And he was physically traumatized by the amount of, uh, uh, you know, rocks that were thrown at him And, you know, he was hurt by them uh, And then the Prophet you know, he was in a state of shock, literally shock And he started rushing out of the city with, with, with Zaid Zaid, you know, pulled him out of the city They started, you know, rushing out of it And they left the city Again, soaked in blood right and then he found some sort of like a uh, like a tree or like a, you know some shade there was a garden outside of you know the city of taif he sat there and uh, um, uh, uh, he made this dua to allah he was he made dua to allah he made supplication to allah you know that he's, he he was complaining to allah about his situation now there's a big difference between complaining to allah about your situation and complaining from allah to allah like when you say, why did you do that, Allah? That's actually a major sin. You do not question Allah and you do not you know, disrespect uh, uh, the mentioning of Allah like that. But the Prophet ﷺ was complaining to Allah about his situation. He's like, oh Allah, you're the only one who can protect me. I'm weak without you and I'm telling you about my weakness, you know. Uh, and and people, they've been harming me. This was basically the supplication or the dua that the Prophet ﷺ made. And he said, you are the most forgiving. You are the one who, you know, take care of me. You know, you're the one who could, you know, make me victorious. Uh, so I want to understand, if you are not mad at me, I do not care. And this is critical. The Prophet ﷺ was thinking that Allah ta'ala is punishing him because he's mad at him. You know, by what, ha- what just happened to him in Ta'if. So he said, if you're not mad at me, oh Allah, I do not care. You know what? I can take, you know, a hundred times more than that. I don't care. But I'm worried that you are mad at me. And please, I hope that you're not mad at me. You know, your forgiveness, your, uh, 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 your forgiveness, your kindness is more important to me, you know, than anything else. So basically the Prophet ﷺ is, is asking Allah not to be angry with him. He's, he, he wants to know if Allah is angry with him or not, right? And he's saying that if that's not the case, I do not care. I can take whatever I can. But if you're angry at me, that I cannot take. And I want to fix right now. You know, the Prophet ﷺ didn't do anything, but he's at the same time, he's wondering, did he do something? You know? And uh, our Prophet ﷺ was, again, he was in tremendous distress when this happened. Right? And then later on, a cloud formed to shade the Prophet. Right after this dua, a cloud formed that shaded the Prophet. And then Angel Gabriel, Jibreel, came down from that cloud and said to the Prophet, Your Lord has heard your dua. And what those people have done to you and said to you. And how they rejected you. So he set me with the angel of the mountains. Now we are being introduced now to a new angel. We don't have his name. But he's called the angel of the mountain. Malak al-Jibal. The angel of the mountain. And then the angel of the mountain descends from that cloud. And talks to the Prophet And he tells him. Uh, Command me. So now the angel of the mountains introduces himself. He says, he says salam to the Prophet Sallam," And then he basically says, you know, uh, uh, command me with anything. Tell me anything, you know. And I'm willing to destroy this city, the city of Ta'if. Because the city of Ta'if, you have to understand, it was between two large mountains. The city of Ta'if was located between two large mountains. So the angel of the mountains is coming to the Prophet Sallam, and he says, just say the word and I'm going to, collapse these mountains on top of that city I'm going to basically destroy them and none of them will survive they humiliated you they humiliated the messenger of Allah just give me the word and I will do it I'll finish him off you know and to that the prophet responded and said no do not do this rather I hope that Allah will extract from them those who would worship him the right way Look at the forgiveness of the Prophet ﷺ He was just physically and mentally tortured by those people Literally the entire city Except for one or two Tortured, the Prophet ﷺ made him bleed They were trying to uh, uh, hurt him mentally And they did hurt him mentally and physically Yet the Prophet ﷺ said Do not punish them now No Rather, I, I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would get, make out of their progeny the best of Muslims. You know, out of their progeny, the best of Muslims. And of course, the dua was actually accepted. The, the, the wish that the Prophet made was accepted because from Ta'if came some of the best companions you've ever heard of. Khalid ibn Walid, Amr ibn al-As, all these people. Great Muslims. Great Muslims. Amr ibn al as is the one who conquered Egypt and made Egypt a Muslim country. Khalid ibn al-Walid was known to be the sword of Allah. That was his nickname. What does this show you? That really, you know, trying to get vengeance in this life, it's not worth it. Look at the big picture. Life is not the end all of anything. It's not worth it. You know, the, if someone else the Prophet, You know, if someone else was in the place of the Prophet He would have been like, yeah, destroy them they, just, they, they hurt me, I'm physically in pain Because of them, destroy them Also that shows you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When he tests you He will reward you after Like all this happened to the Prophet And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends him Support and help You know and it shows you also that the This whole situation shows you That the Prophet was only worried That Allah would be angry with him He didn't care about anything else and That also shows you That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is always with the believers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Not helping you f- explicitly Or not, you know That doesn't mean he's not watching Don't you dare think that Allah can hear and see everything And he's with the believers Just be patient you know. <clears throat> now, because of that, you know, the Prophet you know wished for what he wished for, and later on that wish came true. Now the Prophet took Zaid and he felt better now that Allah is not angry with him. His spirits were you know very high up. And then they walked back to Mecca. And on their way they camped in a valley, uh, it's called the Valley of Nakhla or the palm tree. Uh, Wadi Nakhla And then uh, they <clears throat> Actually that valley still exists until now You can actually go visit it If you go to Saudi Arabia And they camped there You know for a little bit Before they you know enter the city And then in the middle of the night Our Prophet ﷺ Woke up to pray tahajjud Tahajjud prayer For those of you who do not know Is basically the night prayer <clears throat> It's not mandatory it's, It was mandatory upon the Prophet ﷺ, So he wakes, up, he wakes up In the middle of the night Prays Keeps on praying Until Fajr time comes until the dawn prayer comes. So he was praying Tahajjud and he was reciting Quran out loud, you know, and of course the recitation of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi something that we can even imagine in this world, right? With all these great, you know, uh reciters of the Quran, imagine the original reciter of the Quran who was the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us uh, able to hear him in paradise inshallah. Anyway, <clears throat> so he stood up and he was praying in the middle of the night. And uh, he was reciting, you know, uh, uh, the Quran, and that shows you. Look, he was still in blood, by the way. The blood was not, uh, you know, he did not wash off the blood from his body. His blood was still there, and uh, yet he didn't say, "Oh, I'm tired. I'm bleeding. You know, I have cuts in my body, whatever." I'm, I'm I'm not going to pray tonight. Nope. And it shows you the importance of prayer. Now. What happened next is actually mentioned in, in the chapter of Al ahqaf And that that's another great miracle that happened to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. and this is exactly what happened. A group of jinn We said that the jinn is, we talked about the jinn multiple times. I know we didn't get deep into, you know, who the jinn are and all all these things. Inshallah, we will very soon. But for now, you know, the group of jinn is uh, some sort of like creation of Allah that we cannot see. And they have the freedom of choice like us. They're like us. Right, uh, except they have more abilities. They, you know, they could fly. They could, you know, they're, again, they're invisible to us. They can see us, but we cannot see them. And Satan is from the jinn. You have to understand. And all the devils are from the jinn. That doesn't mean that there are no good jinn. There are actually Muslim jinn, and that's actually the story that we're about to tell. Is actually the story of uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam preaching Islam to the jinn. So this is incredible now. The Prophet ﷺ is about to preach Islam to Jinn for the first time. And that's how we know that there are Muslim jinn from the, you know, the result of, you know, the the pro- there will be Muslim jinn as a product of that uh, preaching. And we'll talk about that in a second. And we're about to see how this uh, took place. So there was a group of jinn flying, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala somehow changed their course. They base Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them to fly. Again, Allah does not Control their minds, Allah caused them somehow to change course and pass by the Prophet while he was performing salah, while he was praying and reading Quran out loud, right? So what happened is they heard the Prophet reciting Qur'an. So they told one another, be quiet. This mentioned in the Quran. This entire incident is mentioned in the Quran in detail. So they told one another, be quiet. And they started listening to the Prophet ﷺ uh, to, to, to his recitation, and then by the time the Prophet said, and they were very listening and understanding every word, and trying uh, some, they, they understood they understood some words, some other words they couldn't understand because if you know again the Quran was something that's very eloquent and had some things that needed to be explained by the Prophet ﷺ, and by the time the Prophet ﷺ finished the prayer, that group literally converted to Islam. They took. The testimony of faith. Not just that, they also went back to their own people, their own community of the jinn, to preach Islam to them. Can you believe that? And that was one of the ultimate rewards to the Prophet by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. That he literally, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala literally basically showing him, when the humans, if humans reject you, I'm gonna make jinn. Who are not even of this, you know, uh, uh, of this earth, or well, they technically live on earth, but they're not like us. They're not of this species. Will accept your message, and no one will be able to control how you preach to them. Because we, we have to understand, humans were trying to block the Prophet ﷺ from preaching. They were trying to control him to not preach uh, uh, Islam to other people. But who's going to control preaching uh, to the jinn? No one. Right? They're flying around, and they heard the Prophet ﷺ, and they became Muslim, and they went to warn and, and preach Islam to their own uh, uh, own community of jinn, basically. And they co- to- told their people, you cannot disbelieve in Allah, and you should prof- follow Prophet Muhammad ﷺ as the final prophet. You know, And of course, that was not all the jinn, because we know the majority of the jinn are actually evil, because they follow Satan, and they try to follow his command. Uh, by you know whispering to us and and trying to lead us to hellfire eventually and we talked about that again the story of satan from the beginning with adam Uh, now that group of jinn was actually jewish that group of jinn again jinn you have to guys you have to understand jinn follow the religion of men again the jinn they follow the religion of men so you'll find Jewish jinn You'll find Christian jinn You know <clears throat> So because th- That group of jinn That specific group of jinn Who heard the Prophet reciting Quran Was Jewish They literally went And said to their community We heard From the book That is similar To the book That was sent to Moses Basically they're trying To com- affirm That this is a book From Allah From God You know Again that shows you. Look, when humans rejected the Prophet, Allah rewarded him by allowing the world beyond of like the world beyond mankind, which is the jinn, to accept his message. Right away. He finished the, the prayer, they became Muslim. And they not just that, they went to preach to their own people. And that led to the incident, the famous incident of the night of the jinn. What is the night of the jinn? The night of the jinn is uh, 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 one night in Mecca, our Prophet sallallahu alaihi That was after, right? So the Prophet went back to Mecca, and then you know, later on, one night in Mecca, our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was with the companions, and all of a sudden he disappeared. Imagine, you're sitting with someone, and they poof, disappeared, and all the companions just freaked out. They thought something happened, that he was kidnapped in in, in in a very stealthy way, you know. They started looking for the Prophet ﷺ everywhere, yet yeah, they couldn't find him. And they got so confused, they, they, they didn't know how it happened, they don't understand how did this happen, right? They got so compu- confused, they got so worried. And then in the morning, they kept looking all night. They couldn't sleep. They were so scared that something bad happened to the Prophet wasallam. And then in the morning, they saw the Prophet walk walking towards them. And then they asked him, where has he been? Like, wh- wh- what happened to you, O Prophet of Allah? And he told them he was preaching. He was contacted uh, 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 by one of uh, the newly Muslim jinn the one who, some of the new converts of uh, of jinn who became muslim right <clears throat> he was contacted by one of them and that that one asked him to meet with a congregation from the jinn a group of the jinn like you know maybe leaders or something and he wanted the prophet ﷺ to personally preach islam to them directly you know so the prophet ﷺ went with him to meet with the congregation the prophet is telling them exactly what happened and, uh, and uh, to do so, he actually went inside of another dimension. Now, the jinn, they live here on earth, but they live in another dimension. That's why we can't see them. There's some sort of a barrier that we cannot see their world, yet they can clearly see ours. You guys have to understand. I, I promise, inshallah, I will get uh, to the you know detail and every little detail that we know about the jinn. But for now, I'm telling you, they live in, on, our earth, uh, on our earth, but you could call it like another dimension of our earth. Right, so they can see us. They live in our homes. They, they do do whether they're good or bad. They live in our homes. They eat from our food, and again, in their own way. You have to understand this. It doesn't work that simple. Yet we can't feel them sometimes. And I don't want to spook you. Sometimes we feel their presence, and this is fine. You know, uh, sometimes we don't. And possession is one of the things that makes us feel. You know, possession is real, and some people get get possessed by the jinn. No, by spirit, there's no such thing as being possessed by spirit or they are, we get possessed by, you know, the jinn. We'll get to that, I promise, inshallah, in the future. Um, but for now, the Prophet went into their dimension. Uh, uh, and he met with them, and he recited the Quran to them, and started, you know, explaining the Quran to them, uh, giving them the message, explaining the message of Islam to them, you know, coming from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and uh, they basically, you know, uh, 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 accepted. Right? So, panel, it's incredible when humans are too arrogant. I'm talking about like at the time of the Prophet, there were so many, the majority of his people rejected him, right? And they were too arrogant to accept Islam. But the jinn, which is a supernatural creature, right? Supernatural race that, you know, beyond our world, they totally accepted the Prophet right away. Uh, Then the Prophet, after he told the story to the companions, he actually asked, does anybody want to come? Because I have a second meeting. Basically, the Prophet probably had a second meeting with them. So the Prophet asked, does anyone want to come with me? To see, of course, that person won't walk into that realm, but to witness what's happening. And then, uh, ibn masud the famous ibn masud we, we said ibn masud is one of the the one who recites the quran as if it was revealed to the prophet ﷺ. remember that guy ibn masud uh, uh, ibn masud volunteered he said of course you know this is exciting i want to do this <clears throat> so then the prophet ﷺ took him with him and then they reached the a, a valley which is technically called the valley of the jinn where the, that's where the meeting took place and our prophet ﷺ drew a line and the, Ibn Mas'ud noticed there was, like, some sort of, like, as if there was a meeting. He felt like there was some sort of presence that happened. Like, you know, there was, like, fire. The Prophet was sitting there. And there was something that's, you know, uh, not nat- unnatural about this. So, the Prophet drew a line and and then in the sand. And then he told Ibn Mas'ud, do not cross that line. No matter what happens, no matter what you see, do not cross this line. Right? This is basically, like, a security gate. Do not cross it. Right, and then our prophet proceeded. He 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 passed that line, right, and he kept on walking. And all this, this is Ibn Mas'ud now telling us the story from what he saw. All of a sudden, black clouds started surrounding the prophet. Now, Ibn Mas'ud is saying, I, he is he's assuming those black clouds were the actual jinn, but he couldn't just see them because uh, you have to understand jinn don't look like humans or they don't have shapes like us, they're a completely different structure, their shapes are um, uncomprehendable to us that we cannot comprehend how they look like right so abn masud saw black clouds something you know cloudy surrounding the prophet sallam and it was obviously not natural because they were in next to the prophet sallam right in a very supernatural way and uh yeah he said that he 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 saw them surrounding the prophet sallam until he completely disappeared again he literally disappeared in the cloud now the Prophet ﷺ walked into the other dimension. He was taken to the other dimension, but Ibn Mas'ud could still hear him talking to them. So the Prophet ﷺ was, uh, uh, Ibn Mas'ud was able to hear the Prophet ﷺ preaching Islam to them, continuing his basically classes with them, but he could not see the Prophet ﷺ. He disappeared in those black clouds, right? And then the jinn basically asked, now this, is, this conversation is being heard by Ibn Mas'ud. So the jinn asked, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, and this is also narrated by the Prophet ﷺ The jinn asked when, Where we will get our food from Now this is very interesting Why would they ask, of course that was after the class So they, they, they have some questions now You know, like the lecture is done So they have some questions, right So one of the jinn asks, how are we going to eat Now why would they ask such a question Well, because they're Muslim They have to eat halal meat Right They have to eat halal meat They have to eat halal food They don't eat pork, you know. They don't drink liquor. Again, their their food is different from us, so they have their own halal food in their own way. Halal meat is also for them, right? So how are we gonna eat? Because before they became Muslim, they used to eat whatever. Now they're and it shows you, my dear brothers and sisters, that jinn care about their source of food and does it match the commands of Allah or not? You know. Do these sources of food match Allah's command or not? Because they don't want to upset Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to eating and drinking. So the Prophet responded and he said, Every Muslim who eats halal food, now this includes halal meat, you know, and uh, halal food in general, like regular food. And basically saying the name of Allah Mentioning the name of Allah before eating So I don't know if you guys know Those who are not Muslims uh, I don't know if you know Every Muslim should mention the name of Allah before eating Should say Bismillah By the name of Allah Bismillah translates into by the name of Allah You should say that So Allah blesses your food, right? um uh, you should say bismillah before you eat and also the slaughtering that's that gets into the issue of halal meat and you know non halal meat right and that's why muslims are supposed to eat the halal meat because the name of allah is invoked before the slaughtering of the animal and that blesses the process of slaughtering right so yeah so the Prophet is saying every time a muslim eats what the halal meat or eats like vegetables or whatever and they say the name of allah on it before eating it. So basically the Prophet ﷺ is collecting, saying the name of Allah before slaughtering when it comes to meat and saying the name of Allah before eating itself. Whenever they do that and the Prophet ﷺ showed them a bone, a, a, just a bone, like literally a bone, told them that this bone will transform into, will be filled with meat that they could enjoy and eat. Now, you yeah, guys have to understand, they don't eat our meat in the way we think they would. It's something that one of the it's it's what we call from the the science of the unseen. We do not understand exactly how their food is being, you know, uh, 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 processed or being cooked or whatever. But the Prophet says when a Muslim human says the name of Allah before eating, and then says the name and also says the name of Allah before slaughtering their animal, eating halal meat, basically, that meat that they eat here on earth, us, when we eat that meat, every time we eat that meat. A, some sort of food comes into existence to the Muslim jinn. They eat it. Right. So when we eat something in the other dimension of the jinn, they also eat a similar type of meat for them, which is halal, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses that meat, and they eat it. it shows you the importance of saying Bismillah and the importance of eating halal meat. I hope this was not a difficult thing to uh, you know, explain. It's, 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 technically, it's very simple. Imagine it that when we eat here, food appears out of nowhere to muslim jinn so they could eat it how about that and then the dung of the animals which is the 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 feces of like you know animals right of 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 the animals that are owned by muslims would be food to the animals of the jinn again it will transform in a certain way in their dimension into food of animal jinn right so they're animals so that that also also tells us that jinn do, do have animals this is very interesting, right? So, jinn are not just, you know, people and, 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 and you know, sane and, and intelligent species. They do have their own types of animals as well. So, basically, the Prophet ﷺ is telling them, do not worry. When Muslims eat, you will eat. When the Muslims eat the proper way, <coughs> you will eat. And when Muslims, when you know, own animals and whatever, they're you know their 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 uh feces their dung will be food for your animals again it's not disgusting it again it transforms into some sort of another dimension type of food and again this is something that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best about so that's it right and it shows you again it shows you how important it is for the sources of food You know, for Muslim jinn, how about us as humans? You know, those who simply don't want to eat halal meat. They're like, ah, it's okay. And they come up with the claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, we're allowed to eat from the meat of the people of the book. I've talked about this issue multiple times. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed us to eat the meat of the people of the book, meaning the eat of the Christians or the Jews. Here's the problem. You know your regular uh, fried chicken place or your regular burger place. You don't know if that meat was slaughtered according to the Christian faith or according to the Jewish faith. Do you understand? We don't know that. You do not know the sources of the slaughtering. Like most most, you know, uh, meat processing factories. Some of them, they actually kill the animal before slaughtering, and that goes into another big issue, which is Muslims are not allowed to eat dead meat. We're not allowed to eat a meat of an animal that died before the slaughtering. It's 100%. It's in the same level as drinking alcohol. You guys have to understand, if an animal dies before slaughtering, and we eat that meat, it's forbidden upon us to eat that meat, and it's as on the same level as drinking liquor, basically. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it has been forbidden upon you. Same thing that Allah said, you know, do not uh, uh, drink liquor. Same thing that Allah says, do not eat pork. You know, same thing as eating pork, basically. It's that serious. Yet, a lot of, you know, uh, meat processing factories do that and Muslims don't care. No, that's not how we're supposed to eat our meat. Jinn were so worried about the sources of their meat that they asked the Prophet, what are we going to do? You know, it shows you a priority here. You have a priority here, and the Prophet told them what to do. For us also, we're like we're allowed. We are allowed to eat kosher food because we know it's kosher. We know it's be, being the animals being slaughtered based on the Jewish tradition, and we have no problem with you know unless we know it's it's been slaughtered based on either Jewish tradition or Christian tradition. We're not supposed to eat that meat, or of course a regular halal meat which is you know the islamic based on the islamic uh, you know uh, slaughtering method so that's it and it shows you again that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we the prophet sallallahu after such a difficult time that he faced by allowing him to preach islam to beyond the world of men beyond the world of men the world of jinn and that was such a blessing but the biggest reward the biggest miracle after the Quran is coming and we'll talk about it inshallah in the next episode which is the night of Isra and Ma'raj. The night journey and the ascension to the heavens. The miracle of the night journey and the ascension to the heavens which is called the miracle of the Isra and Ma'raj. And this is the biggest miracle that happened to the Prophet sallam, after the miracle of the Quran. This was something that's incredible incredible and it's literally beyond this world so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded the prophet you know with many ways because he was patient again it shows you the importance of patience trusting in allah and believing in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we'll talk about that inshallah next time thank you so much for listening was salamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh